The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hallo alle zusammen. Willkommen bei Vicious Whispers mit Mark Tullius. Heute habe ich einen besonderen Gast aus Deutschland. Bitte begrüßen Sie Mareike Kleinbull vom Podcast Child of the Library. Welcome. Hi, Mark. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, thanks for coming on. This is awesome. I, um, I was interested in your podcast and finding out more about you because you are from Germany, but you have an English podcast about reading. Uh, now, is it all only English books or are you reading books from different languages? I actually do read books from different languages, but I would say that by far the majority is English. I've also got a book club with my friends where we sometimes read German books, of course. But in general, like when I read for myself, it's definitely mostly English. Okay, now I, I listened to your last episode about uh, reading in foreign languages and how you got started on that. Now, was that, it was in high school that that took off for you that you became really interested in reading in foreign languages? Or and, and was that something that started, like when did, When did your introduction to English take place? And so were you reading in English at a, at a younger age? I, we actually did. Like in, in Germany, at least to the schools where I went to, we started English class in third grade. But, you know, like with every language, it's basically just vocab and like basic sentences. And then in middle school, I think it transitioned more to the stage where you start to read shorter stories but not really books this comes at like a later stage in middle school and we started out with like not really classic classics but you know books that are made for a middle grade audience so um, it's easier for us to get into but these ones that were picked for school were not really Like they were fine, but they were not like super enjoyable. So they did not really mm. kick this off for me. I think in general, the whole language journey in general didn't actually start with books, but more so with movies. Because like when I started to learn the language, we didn't have DVDs back then. So it was just... Um, The, and those huge cassettes that you had when you wanted to watch a film. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. I think your audience, I don't know how old they are, but I think they will definitely remember the times when we just had film should, on cassettes. Yeah. And there you could not switch the language. So, of course, when you bought them in Germany, they were all in German. But at some point, DVDs came into our lives. And I remember that I realized that suddenly you had... A menu where you could play around with stuff so at some point i decided like yeah i, I know that movie pretty well <laughs> why shouldn't i start watching it in a different language and see how far i can go of course at the beginning i was like okay i don't really get anything i should maybe just switch on the subtitles if i really want to do it in english but this really started to kick this off you know going from a ground that you sort of know the movie that you already know and then slowly transitioning yourself to seeing it in a different language and hearing it in a different language and then also translating that into the written word and also start to read the books that you actually want to read and not the ones that you have to read for school because usually your own taste is not 
it's not really the classics and the school reads. I don't know about you, but at least for me, it's definitely not that. So I think it all started out with movies. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right about the the taste. I, I never liked being forced to read books, um, and I get why they did did that. But uh, yeah, no, I always liked a certain kind of book. Um, now, how many languages do you speak? I speak German, of course, fluently. English pretty fluently, French to a degree that I, I can definitely read a lot in French. Of course, I don't speak it as much these days, so probably my, my spoken word is a bit rusty, but I can definitely get along reading-wise. Reading and then, like a funny story, I actually also speak another language, which is Chinese, but like on, on a more basic level. Like I, I can do basic conversations and stuff, and my listening comprehension is quite okay because i lived in china for six months but reading like this and it's funny because it's like totally different than in french because in french my reading comprehension is much better than probably my speaking but in chinese my speaking and listening comprehension is so much better than my reading because in chinese you've got the characters and when you don't practice them very regularly you like lose the ability to read in chinese which is really a bummer but yeah, so, so those are the, are the ones that I speak and can read. And I'm actually like, this is one of the projects that I have for myself this year is that I read like small books in Chinese that are especially written for foreigners who want to learn Chinese. So it's like a classic story like um, the Forbidden Garden, I think. There's a classic mm -hmm. with with the garden. <laughs> I think it was that one. And uh, they wrote it in like, you know, very, very basic language, but in Chinese, so that if you've got a certain entry level of vocabulary, vocabulary that you know, you can read that story. And I'm currently in the process of yeah, reading through that book. And I always realize how hard it is to read that language. <laughs> That's awesome. No, that is super intimidating and very impressive. Now, do you have do you have goals to learn more languages? Are you happy with the ones that you're learning right now? Um, yeah, what is your what? Where do you think you'll be in five or 10 years with languages? <laughs> that is such a great question. Actually, there's one language that I would love to learn a bit more. But no, actually, there's two. And both come from me wanting to travel there again. One language slash country is actually pretty, like not far from Germany. It's Italy. When I was growing up, I didn't uh, have, I didn't do a lot of holidays in the really Italian speaking part of Italy. You know, like in the north, there's uh, still some areas where they also speak German. So back then I didn't really have the op like opportunity to learn any Italian, but I was still very, very young. So this was definitely not at my top priority list of languages to learn back then. But right now, I think Italian, you know, like coming from French and before I started Chinese, I also had a year of Spanish classes. So like taking from those two languages, I think Italian would be a really nice addition, especially because right now we really love making holidays in Italy. So it would be really great to just mm. experience the whole the whole country and the whole culture in a different way if you are actually able to speak the language. And the second one, is like 
does not really go hand in hand with Chinese, but it's probably like when you already learn Chinese to a certain degree, it's not as intimidating as it is if you never had any Asian languages on your plate. And that's actually Japanese, because one of our big dreams that was unfortunately uh, yeah, crossed out by the pandemic, at least for last year and this year, probably, is to go to Japan and to travel there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how it is these days, but a few years ago when I when we made our first inquiries like, okay, where do we want to go? What are the cities that we want to see? What are the sites that we want to visit? We saw that, of course, like in the cities you can like you can get around with just English, but it's yeah, it's difficult, especially when you leave the big cities and go more to the countryside. And of course, Japan is not only the big cities, so probably okay. we would also want to travel away from the cities. So not knowing anything. I know from China how intimidating it is when you're in a country and you, you can't read the signs. You don't know what people are saying, like at, at least... Well, in, in China, I had a certain understanding, but of course, sometimes there are conversations where you've got no idea what's going on, when it's like way beyond the level of understanding that you have. And in, Jap in Japanese, it would start like at the much lower level for me. So probably every conversation I wouldn't be able to understand. So this is definitely something, you know, like for the future where traveling is a thing again. And this is something that you can actually do. And we can travel to Japan. This is definitely like a, a project, a more long-term project that I, that I want to do. And I probably want to accomplish at least with so much vocabulary that we can get along in the country traveling wise. Yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. Um, now with, with books, one thing I was curious about, um, is there a difference? Would you get a different feel reading, you know, it, the same book. So if the same book was written in German, French, and English, if you read all three, would it be the same experience? Uh, does one, is one easier? Does one, uh, you know, resonate with you better? Actually, this is really funny because in like, w when we said that we would do this collaboration, what I did is that I asked you, what is a book that I could read from like your portfolio that is not too scary <laughs> so that mm. I don't like lie, lie awake at night and can't sleep. And I actually read the first chapter of Brightside in both English and German and then continued the English version because like this is also one of the reasons why I started reading so much in English because there's so much published in this language. And if I've got the ability mm. to read in the original language, you know, like the words that the author intended to be on the page. I would rather have this like maybe untainted is like too much of a hard word, but I think you get what I mean. Like to have this untainted experience of not having a middleman who had to translate it first. I could just like read directly from the author basically. And this was what I always wanted to do. So of course I continued in English. And what I really saw with the translation of your book was that it was actually pretty accurate. Like your style is, like, I'm using your book by the way, because this is like from what I can 
remember the only book where I really made a comparison. You know, usually I read the book in either English or either in German or in French. I usually don't have a second reference text that I do that okay. I use to um, actually see side by side what the translation is. But I did this for your book and it was actually because you mentioned that you wanted to come more into the German market. And this was one of the books that was actually translated. And for me, it's really fun to see what it is actually like to have the English material and what it actually ends up in the German market. But from what I could see is that they actually stayed very true to your style. Like you have these very like short and snappy sentences that like keep you hooked, but it's not not those long sentences. And in general, for everyone who's learned learned our language, like you, you just introduced yourself in German, you know that we love our long stacked sentences. <laughs> Actually, our grammar has yeah. got so many different ways of how to stack sentences into each other so that the sentence grows longer and longer. And if you like if this was the first language that you were taught automatically when you um, when you speak in a different language you try to make the sentences longer because this is what you know from the german language but oh, yeah. so, so sometimes i'm like yeah you know like people from abroad when they like read a translated german book Do they ever wonder this is so complicated? Why did someone like go the length of writing it in this complicated way? It could have been like three sentences. Why did they make one? I don't know. But like for the translation from your book, they actually stayed pretty true to your style because they had very short sentences. So um, this was something that was actually pretty great. But what I realized, and this was something that was very, um, very new to me, something that I didn't really expect to be honest was that when i read something in english i have the possibility to sort of detach myself from it so i'm pretty sure your mm -hmm. listeners know that but in bright side you've got this whole um this whole atmosphere of okay everyone sort of knows what everyone else is thinking and you really get the depths of like how people can be to each other like not in a nice way very oftentimes and reading this in English was easier for me to be like okay this this is a story that I can immerse myself in but it's not hitting so close to home whereas when I read it in German and you read that and you automatically get trans transported back I don't know to middle school and you're like yeah oh my god my teacher in middle school and you know my child friends what did they think what did i think back then what would have would it have been like if my classmates would have thought would know what i would have thought back then so you automatically go back and you really question it more because because it's german and i don't know if that is the same when you grow up with a language that is so international like english because there's so much material out there that you can't like really ever detach yourself from it. But because German is just only spoken in like, I don't know, a handful of languages in the world, it's very, like it, it's capsulated. So when you read something in German, it's automatic, like, automatically, okay, it has to be here. It can't be 
in another country somewhere across the globe it must be somewhere here in europe so uh, yeah um, that, that was a yeah that was a because i totally did not expect this reaction because i never had this experience <laughs> that i read them really side by side and i was like okay <laughs> Maybe I should like like sometimes I am like okay maybe I should reread my like favorites that I had and discovered in English and read them in German to see whether mm -hmm. this transport transports me into the story even more. But on the same time, at the same time, I'm a bit, little bit afraid of the translation. To be honest, <laughs> I'm not sure if they will always do a great job at that. I I don't know. Like it, it's a yeah, <laughs> it's a. Yeah, it's a different, it's a difficult situation. But in general, it's fun to see what they did with an original text and how they put it into German. Awesome. Well, you know what? I, I sincerely appreciate you doing that um, because one of my main concerns when I had it translated, I have no way of knowing whether or not mm -hmm. it's a good translation because my German is so poor, uh, especially when I had it translated. And then the very first uh, review that I got said it was terrible translation. It was a it was a one star review saying it was an awful translation. Fortunately, everyone that's rated it since has been given it like four and five stars. Um, so what I'm hoping is, you know, the, that reviewer just wasn't used to my kind of style. You know, the short sentences and everything else, and and they they definitely did get extended a lot. Um, to help myself uh, learn a little bit, I've been reading the translated version. Uh, so I'll read it right before I go to bed, just a couple pages at a time. And But it is amazing how long some of those sentences still can be. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Like, you know, like in the old German, I don't know, how do you say, like something like people always say in Ger like Germany was the land of like poets and thinkers. This was like back then. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I really think, were they actually such great thinkers or did they just say sentences that were so complicated <laughs> that everybody thought, oh, wow, they must be so intelligent. These sentences are so crazy, but it's just how the language works. I don't know. Sometimes I really, I really wonder that, that. I really wonder about that ever since I started to learn foreign languages. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that does make a lot of sense. But yeah, just understanding the German language is uh, it, it's tough. Yeah. Now, for someone like me that wants to become better, my problem is I, I don't spend the time um, practicing, studying. Uh, I, I don't talk with anyone in German. Uh, I think that's probably my biggest problem. Um, is what would you suggest for me to get over that? Just to start having conversations. What would be the best way for me to become uh, more confident? in my language. Hmm. I think, like, yeah. Do you, do you learn a lot from reading? Like, definitely. Does, does that help you? Does... De definitely. Okay. Maybe not so much anymore concerning um, sentence structure, because I pretty much had that knowledge through school, but def definitely mm -hmm. in terms of vocabulary. Like <laughs> when I think back on when I started to read my first like real so to say, uh, English books that were not as not especially for students, but like, you know, published in the open, in the wild, so to say, for everyone outside of school. Um, I really 
really thrived from all of the new vocabulary because to be honest you've got language classes and you can only just fit so much into these language classes if you really want to get the language down and speak it to a degree where it's almost fluent you can't just rely on classes unfortunately <laughs> there's not enough mm. time and especially german we've got such complicated grammar you really would have to take classes every day in order to somehow cover all of this and get the vocabulary knowledge so i think definitely also like when you have a movie for example or a book that you really really love and that where you really know everything that happens for example your own but maybe also from other authors that were translated into german it definitely helps mm. to read that in the translated material but especially movies i think for the for the beginning because you actually hear people talk and how they pronounce things and how they build up their sentences for me I, i think there was a reason why i did not start with books or the books that i had read at that time were not really they didn't really spark joy as maria kondo would say so definitely the movies did that because you had so you can of course your brain was working because it had to do all the translations in in the head but you did not have to you know imagine everything you didn't have a written word and had to imagine all the scenes you basically mm. get the scenes you can take all that in translate it in your head but you don't have to do the extra work of creating everything in your head and you really get that input of listening to the people and what they are saying and it, it, i mean it may take a little while it may take a few times that you see the movie maybe maybe also you can get into a series i mean what is really mm -hmm. like a bummer when it comes to movies if you see it for the third time you're like yeah come on i know i know there's the yeah. plot twist coming i know everything about that movie basically but when you watch a series there's hopefully every episode should be something new so you have the element of learning the language but you don't get bored so easily because it's always the same when i started to learn english it was a totally different time than when i started to learn chinese there were a couple of years in between that so back back when i was learning english we just started out with the with dvds but it wasn't really the time you know whether you had those huge dvd set sets of series You you had the oh, ones right. for the movies, but not the ones for the series. So this was something totally, totally different. And I mean, you had series in German, of course, but you didn't really watch series in a different language. But when I was learning Chinese, at that point, series were really a thing and you could watch them on DVD, for example, or even on demand when your internet connection was good enough. So when when I learned Chinese and I was in China, I had a few hours a day where I had them totally to myself. And what I did was that I watched, <laughs> and this is so weird, I watched the series that I, that I watched as a kid that were international. But, you know, they, they had like very basic themes, you know, they are not discussing like the big questions in life because this would have been way mm. beyond my vocabulary knowledge back then. But they had like, Yeah, the plot lines were definitely understandable, but I started with this in Chinese. So my 
listening comprehension got much better because I watched at least one episode every day. And there was also always something different happening, but there were always there was always vocabulary that was coming back and that was repeated. So I always had the repetition of some vocabulary, but also always having new input and always my, my brain always had to work to understand what was going on anew every day. So this was a really, really great way to, on the one hand, extend my grammar, but also extend my vocabulary and everything with a bit of fun. Because I think when you learn languages, especially as an adult, and you don't have that school setting per se, it's super difficult to really get on top of things and really push yourself through to learn the language mm -hmm. to the degree. So yeah, I think having that fun element with series, for example, is definitely important. And it even like I'm very lucky because we at home, we watch all of our series in English and also most of our movies in English. So even if I would not read as much in English, I would always have that extra yeah, <laughs> extra element in my daily life with stuff that I enjoy. It's not strictly work-related, but it's something in my free time that I really like. And I it always keeps my language going. So this is definitely something that I can recommend for everyone because right now we are in the very good position that we have all the media at our hands. And it really helps. It really, really does help. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, no, that... that... That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to start doing that. Um, one thing I, I listen to a lot of songs. I mm -hmm. listen to a lot of German songs and I like looking at the lyrics and, you know, hearing the pronunciation that way. Um, and I don't know how good it is for my learning, but it just, at least it's going in the back of my mind and I can just kind of do it passively as well. Um, so I really like doing that. What, um, I had another question for you. Oh, so now what do you, what would you say your favorite genres of reading are? Um, yeah, what 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 do you like to read? What is what is the darkest type of stuff you read? Like was <laughs> was Bright Side? Did that make you feel uncomfortable at all? Uh, what what do you like to read? <laughs> so in general, what I do is I read a lot of fantasy and science fiction. So Bright Side was great for me in terms of that. Of course, it had. It, it's not it's definitely not horror it's more unsettling maybe so there's this mm -hmm. unsettling underlayer of everything that is happening and i think with bright side it was not you, you know it's not some crazy supernatural i don't know monsters or demons or you know something of that sort but it gets so um disturbing in a way because it's just humans of course some of them have got the telepathic abilities but most of the time you see what normal humans think about each other how they think about hurting each other or the decisions that they make or that they for example don't really love their children and normal children who still who don't have the ability who have the freedom to grow up with that sort of yeah they have that childlike innocence because they don't really know what their parents think but when you have a child that is a telepath and the child knows from a very young age everything that you think about them every time you think 
oh, why did you have to do that? Are you stupid? Why don't you get this? Why don't you get that? Why did you have to do that? And normally parents don't really say that to their children, but because you have their straight input from their brains, you you don't have that Mm -hmm. filter. So you grow up so quickly. You don't have that innocence anymore. And seeing that and how that shaped the main character, but also how hard it is for him as an adult in that community where everyone knows everything that you're saying, this was very unsettling. What humans can do to each other, I think, is a whole type of different horror than everything that you could ever think up in a fantasy or like very pure sci-fi setting. So, but this is the horror that I can stand. You know, <laughs> I think like maybe for your audience, it's it's fun. Like before you do collaborations, there's usually a bit of like stuff is happening in background like for example i was asking yeah if there's a book from your portfolio is there something that i can read that is not that scary because usually i'm a big chicken because when i think of horror i really think of like supernatural things you know like it with the clown and everything i by, oh, by, yeah. by the way for everyone like Fun fact, I really hate clowns. So it for me is like the ultimate (laughs) horror thing ever. So like I always think of something like that. But Mm -hmm. everything that is horror without that fantasy element, so to say, this is something that I can handle. Of course, I think about that, but I can read about it. So Bright Side, I I haven't finished it yet. I think I'm on page 120. (laughs) But I, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it so far because it's it's really explore, exploring the the depths of what humans do to each other, which I find very fascinating, but also scary. Yeah, I like every, every time I, I read another chapter, I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is a nice ability to have, especially with I don't know if anyone of uh, if you or anyone in your audience watches like marvel movies or dc movies or anything so with the x-men of course there is one character who is a telepath and i think from their story it always gets very glorified what what a cool ability this is and what it can do and how it can Mm. help the x-men but bright side really explores the huge downside of this especially because like the, the character in the X-Men who has those telepathic abilities, he's like super smart and he apparently can handle what this ability brings with it fairly well. But if you are just like a normal pe- a normal guy, <laughs> a normal girl who is just uh, getting along in their life or trying to as best as they can, but they develop like problems because they can't really handle it that well. I think this... Yeah, I, I think this is very well explored that everything has a downside. Even the the abilities where you're like from the outside, you're looking at it and you're like, wow, this is so great. You know everything that everyone's thinking. You know, no one is ever screwing you up. Like it's totally fine. You know, when every time when someone wants to do something bad to you, you instantly know and you just walk away. And when you read the book, you're like, yeah, you you don't always walk away. There's always repercussions. There's always problems happening. There's also nice stuff happening, but not all the time. So this is something that I really enjoyed to this point. I haven't finished it yet, so I'm very interested what will be hitting me along the way. But so far, I think this was 
very nice to explore this from a totally different angle because I really love the X-Men and when I read the first chapters I was like yeah I never really I never really thought about it that way <laughs> that, that, that's awesome that's uh and, and that's what I would hope a reader would get from it I, I have heard from many readers that have said you know going in that they always thought it would be a super cool power to have but after this there's no way that they would want it <laughs> um yeah I, I, I would not want the ability myself no way um awesome now um i have one more question for you that can help me i'm going to translate i want to translate all my books into german but i'm trying to figure out which ones would do better next do you think is there a dystopian compared to horror would there be uh more of a uh a demand in germany for either of those that's that's hard to say i think probably yeah I, I mean with the whole situation going on at the moment like in the real world it's it's yeah. hard to say whether dystopian would be something where everyone's like yeah we definitely need to read that I, I, like from what i've heard i've heard definitely heard both views i've seen both people mm -hmm. who said i can't read this it's it's too much like i've got a dystopian situation here like in real yeah. life, I can't read about it now. It's too bad for my mental health. And on the other other side, there are the people like, yeah, you know, it really helps me cope to read about something dystopian because then I don't think so much about the dystopia we're living in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah I, I think for horror, there's basically always a market. I actually, this is something that I wanted to ask you because I, th I think here in Germany, I, I thought about this, I think, in my last podcast episode concerning um, con concerning like children's and young adult books, because I'm, I was wondering why I or, or why so many people even now start to read so much in English. And I think one in, in, yeah, in, from Germans who start to read in English. And I think one of the big reasons is that so much when, when you just read German, so many good books are just closed off to you because probably they never get translated or they get translated so much later. I mean, if, if the book is not Harry Potter, it's not translated like on the same day when it comes out in the UK or in the US. You have to wait for months, even years until it gets translated into German. And back then, like then the hype is basically over, at least the international hype for mm. it is over. And especially now, because there are so many, especially young readers who turn to social media, who turn to YouTube and other like social media platforms. They see the the people that they look up to or that they respect for their opinion on, for example, books, but they don't have the ability to read them in German. So what do they do? They automatically try to read them in English. And maybe when they start to uh, read it too early and they don't understand the vocabulary, maybe they get a little bit discouraged. But seeing their, I don't know, favorite YouTubers or their favorite Instagram accounts and see them consume the books, they, they keep going and push through and find the books that help them to transition to the level where they can fi finally read the books that they wanted to read in the first place. So... Yeah, I, when, when I thought about that and whether we have any big like child authors in Germany, 
there were really not that many. I mean, of course, there are some that are also known on an international scale. There definitely are. But it's not like we have an abundance of great authors that are so big that every German child knows their books. Of course, we've got a lot of great authors, but maybe they're not as well known or there are not that many books from them on the shelves in German bookstores. And I really thought whether we have a big horror scene in in Germany, you know, fr from German authors. And I think it's definitely, definitely developing. Probably, maybe not some like straight, really, really crazy, creepy horror. <laughs> Let me put it like that. But I think the, the subtle horror is definitely becoming less of a niche. Definitely. <laughs> I was actually like the, the first book that I read with my, uh, with my book club. It was really nice because it started from the same point, but then you had three different versions of the book and we were three, three friends who wanted to read. So each of us had a different copy and it would start from the same point, but it would develop the characters in three different directions. So we thought, okay, this is perfect for the first book club because if each of us would have like a slightly different story and we can compare in the end. And when I saw, like I, I ordered the book online, But when I went to the bookstore, I saw it in the horror section and I was like, okay, I did not, I did not realize that when I was buying it, of course, like looking back, there were definitely some, some elements, but for someone who has never really thought about horror being something beyond, you know, something like it or the pet cemetery or something. Um, yeah. Horror is so much more these days and also science fiction. There are so many different layers and so many different variations to all of these genres that they really start to grow out of their niche. So whether it's really horror or dystopian, yeah, I, I think it's hard to say. Hmm. Yeah, no, those excellent points. Um, and because, because I do write in the different genres, I, I always have that problem too, trying to say what kind of author I am, you know, because some of it's suspense, some of it's dystopian, some of it's horror, but then they're all kind of blended. And so, um, yeah, it is hard to, uh, it's hard to figure that out. But I do think I am going to translate my whole library because I do, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe one day we'll even move to Germany. At, at the very least, I want to spend about a year there. So uh, I think that would be pretty incredible. Definitely. Um, now, last, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think it would be uh, I think it would be amazing. We we were supposed to go for the pandemic. We had a trip planned, uh, I think, for only three weeks, uh, but then we had to cancel it. Yeah. But so I definitely definitely am going to do that. Uh, but before we go, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about your podcast, yes. uh, Child of the Library. What exactly is it, and <laughs> who would who would enjoy listening to your podcast? Yes. So my podcast child of the library is coming out every two weeks on Sundays and I do everything around bookish content so sometimes I reminisce about books that I read in the past that shaped me to uh, into the reader that I am now or I talk about the books that I'm very excited about or that I recently read and they really were like real thought starters and they they didn't really let me go and I had to think about them all the time so usually the, those ones get like a, their very own episode sometimes I also do tags for example I sort of created the podcast book tag where I thought about nine different questions all relating to the whole podcast hobby but then I match 
books to those. It's <laughs> It was a very funny episode to make. So I think for everyone who's looking for a very fun way uh, to get into my episodes, I think that's, that episode would be something lovely. And in general, what I also did in the past was that I, for example, had a guest over and they fell out of reading, so to say. Um, they want to get back into the habit, but they don't know where to start. Because for everyone who is into books, you know that there's so much out there. And when you didn't do not have the habit at the moment or you haven't read in so much, in, in, and in so long and you really have sort of <laughs> lost the touch to the scene so to say and you don't know what's coming out you don't know what's what's good anymore then y you might feel a little bit lost and I've been at that stage definitely in my life I know when I was in high school I had so many forced books like so much required reading in German in English in French luckily not in Chinese but those three languages we had so many books that really were taking up so much of my free time because of course you had to read them outside of school so I did not really read that much like just for myself so over those I think four or five years I I really lost touch with what I actually like and then at some point after high school I really found like one trilogy that I really really loved and when, once it finished I really wanted to start another one and then another one and and this is a totally different story but then I read Game of Thrones realized that it wasn't finished know that it probably will never be finished as a book series was totally totally thrown off by that and I was like okay I love this series, but if this series is not finished, I have to go and read another series. So this really like sort of snowballed from there. And this, because I've been at that exact stage, I have certain tips for people who are looking to get more into reading again. And I talk with them about their daily life and where poss possible ways how they can incorporate reading into their daily lives because reading takes time and a lot of time a lot of times we think that we don't have time in our day to incorporate reading but there are definitely ways to do that for nearly everyone and especially what i always try to help with is that i asked i ask for certain prompts something that they enjoy a hobby that they have if they already know maybe a genre they're interested to interested in and then i try to find books that might match that and usually like I've done this once on the podcast and the person that I did the collaboration with he was actually like when I talk about this he was like oh I'm so excited by this synopsis I really want to read it now and this was like so rewarding for me because I thought okay maybe I'm I have no idea but maybe this person really really starts to love reading again because we could talk about something that he might potentially enjoy and he took that away from that episode. So this this episode where I did that reading coaching session was super rewarding and I really want to do that again in the future. So this is the sort of content that I do. Everything, everything bookish, might it be my own experience or talking with others about it, anything along that spectrum. That's awesome. Um, and where can people find your podcast and connect with you on social media? Yes. So 
you can find my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Deezer and also newly on YouTube for everyone who does not use any of those platforms. And concerning social, you can find me on Instagram at child of the library and also on TikTok. But there it's at child of the library podcast all in one go. Awesome. Well, thank you again for uh, being on today. Thank you for reading Brightside, giving me your opinion on that. Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it was a really fun time. Awesome. And I will let you know how, oh, how what I think about Brightside once I finish it. <laughs> That, that kind of scares me a little bit, but I do want to know. So I think that will be awesome. Well, thank you again. I hope you have an incredible day and I will talk to you later. Thanks so much. Speak to you then. Bye-bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Now it is time for a story. Today's is from 25 Perfect Days plus five more. We have 10 drops of bleach. This is narrated by David Thompson. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it and I will talk to you next week. Later. Ten Drops of Bleach May 30th, 2047 Brian Jaworski pointed to the curb in front of the crumbling project that looked like it had been built back in the 90s. Pull over here. San Angeles controlling force agent Miguel Guerrero did as he was instructed, even though the monitor placed the subject two blocks inside the once-gated community. Before he turned off the hover car, he said, the prompter said it was a bad accident. Maybe we should hurry and drive in. Jaworski laughed his asshole laughed. Yeah, right. You want to explain to the LT why we risked a half million dollar vehicle to status check some unlucky fucker? I bet five to one this guy doesn't have insurance. All the more reason to get to him. The state will take forever to pick him up. Jaworski released the particle rifle from the dashboard and got out of the vehicle. Can't say I blame them. Guerrero lowered the landing gear and turned off the cruiser. Before he had both feet on the ground, Jaworski reminded him to lock the car. Guerrero wrapped his hand around the handle, the lock engaging after his vitals were confirmed. Think I should? Are you crazy? Hell yes, lock it. These bastards will reduce this baby to a shell in five minutes. You know how quick your kind is with a screwdriver. Tired of Jaworski's constant abuse, Guerrero asked, Ever heard of sarcasm? Jaworski switched the rifle's safety off and waved Guerrero forward. Take the lead, rookie. Guerrero put on his helmet and entered the project, which had probably once been a nice apartment complex. He ignored the graffiti on the abandoned guard shack. Jaworski didn't. Fuck the SACF. No pigs allowed. See this shit? I don't know why we even bother. My dad always said we should just let them all kill each other. The world would be a much better place. Since his shock suit couldn't deflect bullets, Guerrero crossed to the left side of the street and kept his back to the wall. Jaworski stuck to the middle of the street, his chest puffed out, holding the particle rifle so everyone could see he was anxious to use it. They turned the corner, down the block, a bloody lump lay crumbled on the sidewalk. Guerrero jogged toward the man, ignored Jaworski's warnings that it could be a trap. When Guerrero knelt down and felt for a pulse, 
The injured young man turned his head toward him. Guerrero nearly gagged. The skin on the left side of the man's face was bubbling in sections, eaten through in others. The left eye had completely dissolved. The gooey remains puddled below the empty socket. Guerrero read reports, but it was his first time seeing an acid attack victim. Can you speak? Guerrero placed his hand on the man's trembling shoulder. Can you hear me? He looked about Guerrero's age. The man coughed up a wad of bloody phlegm. He opened his eyes to look at Guerrero. My bike! Where's my bike? The mangled hunk of metal rested across the street in the gutter. It's here. What's your name? The injured man's teeth were visible through the hole in his cheek. Julio Ortega. I'm going to get you help, Julio. Do you have insurance? Tears streamed down the right side of the injured man's face, and he tried to speak. No words came out. Jaworski walked next to Guerrero. The man asked if you had insurance. Habla English? He speaks English. Guerrero glanced up at his partner. I got this. You want to check for witnesses? We need to know if he has insurance. Jaworski grabbed the collar of Guerrero's shock chute and hauled him to his feet. He dug a hand into Julio's pocket. Watch my back. You're going to hurt him, Guerrero said. Worse than he already is? I'm afraid your amigo's pretty fucked up. A worn black wallet lay on the grass a few yards away. Guerrero retrieved it while Jaworski searched the injured man. Guerrero flipped through the wallet and confirmed it was Julio's by the sole piece of paper left inside. Can't believe I got hit riding my bike. Between sobs, Julio said, My sister always said I'd get killed if I got my license. Ride your bike, Julio. It's safer. You can stop searching him, Guerrero said. Here's his wallet. Someone cleaned it out. That's a surprise. My brother's not going to believe this. Julio clenched his fist. I have to be okay. I have to be okay for Vanessa. Well, I hate to tell you this, but you're not going to be. Jaworski pulled the vitalic meter from his utility belt, pressed it against Julio's neck, and read the results. Paralyzed from the waist down with six. No, make that seven percent chance of walking again if you get immediate medical treatment. So what's it going to be? Do you have insurance or not? I ride a bike. What the hell do you think? Jaworski snapped his meter shut and stuffed it back into his pocket. Call the turtle, Guerrero. Let them know they got a smartass on their hands. After Guerrero radioed the state and told them to dispatch an ambulance to his location, he asked Julio if his brother lived in the complex. Julio shook his head. We live together. Jaworski grabbed the wallet out of Guerrero's hand and pulled out the ID. He lives in Almonte. Why the hell were you over here? I came to see a friend. Sure you did. Your friend do this to you? No. Who did it then? Why'd they do it? I don't know. You don't know or you don't want to tell me? Guerrero searched the windows of the nearby apartments. A face disappeared behind a curtain on the second floor, overlooking their location. Guerrero was about to point it out but saw Jaworski kneeling on Julio's stomach and yelled, What are you doing? 
Trying to get some answers, Jaworski growled over his shoulder. So what'd you come here to buy? Sterlings? Super X? Bleach? What was it? Get off me! Please! I will arrest you if you don't cooperate. I don't care how fucked up you are. I didn't do anything wrong. Then tell me why you're here. To see my friend. I already told you. Where does he live? I want to talk to him. I can't remember. This hurts like hell. Look at me. Relax or I'll cuff you right now. For what? For soliciting? I'm guessing bleach? I need it for Vanessa. Jaworski pumped his fist and grinned at Guerrero. Told you this shithead was trying to buy. Dumbass just confessed. He'd probably admit to killing his own mother right now. Get off him. The officer jumped to his feet and went over to Guerrero, his face inches from Guerrero's neck. My dad always. I know, I know, Guerrero said. Your dad's the smartest man on earth. But right now it's just you and me, and I don't give a shit what either of you has to say. Let's get one thing straight, you son of a bitch. I don't like you and I never have. Back off, or you'll be sorry. Guerrero stared at Jaworski, proud of himself for not knocking the man out cold. Keeping calm, he said. Right now, you have nothing on this guy but some bullshit confession on an even more bullshit charge. I know you hate Hispanics, that's no secret. But wouldn't you rather let this guy go in exchange for some real info? Something you can take back to the LT? Like what? Guerrero lowered his voice, leaned in and said, We'll find out who his connect is. He won't tell you shit. Give me two minutes. Guerrero brushed past Jaworski and knelt next to Julio. And do me a favor and watch that window up there. I got a feeling those could be our guys. Guerrero laid a hand on the uneaten side of Julio's face and assured him the paramedics were on their way and that he'd be fine. I don't want to see you arrested, and I'm sure you don't want that either. So what I need right now is for you to tell me what happened. I told him already. I came to score bleach. Guerrero didn't bother asking why Julio would risk arrest to buy something proven to cause as much harm as it did good. Julio was just another number, a meaningless face, and the ever-increasing population that couldn't afford the controller's approved alternative to decontaminate the water. But Guerrero did need details. Have you bought bleach here before? Twice. Same guy? Yeah. You call him first? Julio mumbled something unintelligible. I know you're in a lot of pain, but I need you to concentrate. Did you call this guy before today? Did he do this to you? I called him, but he wasn't here. Another guy. The picture on my phone was fuzzy, but... It looked like him. Younger. Why would he do this to you? When Julio finally spoke, he talked so low Guerrero could barely hear. I was stupid. Told them I needed three bottles. I didn't think they'd check to make sure it was all there. Guerrero didn't need to say a word to make the kid feel any worse. One of them knocked me down. Snatched the bottles back. Other guy? Splashed my face. Who hit you? I got on my bike and tried to ride, but I couldn't see. A hover hit me. Never even heard it. Time's up, amigos, Jaworski said. Guerrero ignored him. What's your connect's name? 
What's he look like? He's big time. I rat and he'll kill me. He almost did already. Give me his name, Julio, or Agent Jaworski will arrest you. Julio was silent for a moment. Danny, spider, Mexican, shaved head, goatee. You sure? When Julio said he was positive, Guerrero told Jaworski he'd be right back and sprinted to the entrance. The resident roster was black, but after banging on it several times, it flickered to life. The names of each occupant at his fingertips. It took three touches to find his suspect. Guerrero jogged back to Jaworski. Daniel Lopez, Unit 19. Don't look now, but it's the building right behind you. Got one in the window. Jaworski checked his rifle's proton power pack. We'll pretend to leave and walk back along the wall so they can't see us approach. We won't do anything. What are you talking about? We're not blindly storming a unit inside a crowded complex without support. No way. Are you serious? Are you that much of a pussy? I'm not raiding some drug dealer's lair, especially when he knows we're coming. Call it in for backup. We're going or your buddy's under arrest. I got the info like I promised. He cooperated. You're not arresting him. You don't tell me what to do, hombre. Today, I do. Guerrero tried to control his trembling. Before he lost his nerve, he pressed his mic and said, HQ, Charlie 12B, we have info on a 7811. Requesting backup. You asshole! Jaworski slapped Guerrero's hand off his mic. You want those guys up there to flush all the evidence? Headquarters radioed back that agents were being dispatched. It'll take it off the street, and no one's hurt. I'm going in, and if you don't have my back, you'll be out of a job. Guerrero took a step back, placed one hand on the butt of his pistol, and the other on his mic. HQ, Charlie 12B, 12A wants to approach the 7811 unaided. You rat son of a bitch! You'll never work in this state again! The radio squawk cut Jaworski off. Charlie 12A, HQ, stand down. Repeat, stand down and wait for assistance. Jaworski turned for the apartment building behind him. Guerrero hit his mic and reported that Jaworski was not standing down. As Guerrero repeated his call, he noticed the face at the window disappeared. Charlie 12A, HQ, stand down and respond. If you do not, you will be terminated immediately. Stand down this instant and respond. Jaworski ripped something from his suit and threw it back at Guerrero. The controlling force patch floated to his feet. Relieved he'd never have to work with the man again, Guerrero radioed in Jaworski's resignation. He kept an eye on apartment 19's curtained window as he knelt next to Julio and tried to comfort him. The ambulance will be here soon. Guerrero watched Jaworski disappear up the stairs. You're going to be all right. Julio brought his bloodied hand up to Guerrero's and squeezed it tight. He cried when he thanked Guerrero for staying with him. In an attempt to cheer up Julio, Guerrero asked, So, who's Vanessa? Your wife? Girlfriend? My little niece. How old is she? There was a loud crash and a man exploded out apartment 19's window. Struck by a fully charged particle beam, the body vanished in midair, the sound of smashing glass, 
and a barrage of gunfire covering the soft thud of the man's boots and jeans, slapping the concrete. Guerrero radioed it in and ran for the stairs. He was halfway up, his pistol drawn, when Jaworski came reeling out of the apartment's front door and bounced off the hallway, falling face first on the landing. There were at least a dozen holes in his shock suit, all of them leaking blood. Guerrero grabbed hold of Jaworski's arm and pulled him down the stairs as bullets poured out the open doorway. He was starting back up when Jaworski said, Ambulance! Call it in! Agent down! Ex-agent, Guerrero reminded him. When I get done, I'll call you a turtle. The gunfire ceased. Guerrero knelt halfway up the stairs and pressed himself against the wall, his pistol aimed at the door. Someone yelled, Grab the suitcases and as much shit as you can carry. Someone else shouted back, There's another one out there. He was out by the cripple. Check to see if he's still there. A third deeper voice said, To hell with him, I'm out. Cover me from the window. The man poked his head out the doorway, and Guerrero fired, the beam vaporizing an inch-wide hole through his forehead. As the man fell to his knees, his eyes blank, the hole slowly widened as nearby cells began to dissipate. The power pack reading was full, but the gun obviously had a very weak charge. Unsure how many shots he had left, Guerrero lowered his visor and pulled a freeze grenade from his belt. He depressed the activator and tossed the grenade through the doorway. When the blast of pure white blew out of the apartment, Guerrero sprinted up the stairs and dove over the headless body lying across the threshold. Guerrero rolled inside, sensitive to the quickly warming room. Freeze grenades seldom worked on the muscles more than a few seconds, and the victims' minds were unfrozen shortly after. Outnumbered, with no time for hesitation, Guerrero fired a shot at the man crouched behind the couch and then spun to his right and fired two more shots, both hitting the teenager over by the blown-out window. Even though he'd been hit, the guy from the couch leapt forward and knocked Guerrero down. Guerrero struggled to keep hold of his pistol as they rolled on the ground. He spotted the small hole, slowly burning away in the man's chest. The muscle-bound behemoth stopped fighting for the pistol and grabbed Guerrero by his throat. When he cocked back his free arm, Guerrero brought up the pistol, shoved it deep into the hole caused by the first beam, and pulled the trigger. A loud gasp escaped the man as he collapsed onto Guerrero, the point-blank beam sufficient to erase his heart. Guerrero rolled the man off and got to his feet. He tossed the spent pistol onto the couch and grabbed the metal revolver lying next to it. It had been five years since he'd fired one of the outlawed weapons in the academy, but the technology was simple. A child could use it. Daniel Lopez wasn't among the three men he'd just killed, and the door to the bedroom was closed. After a quick glance to make sure the gun was loaded, Guerrero radioed in the developing situation and approached the bedroom. Guerrero put his back to the wall and pounded on the door. Come out now and you won't be killed. No response. You want to end up like your homies? If you come out now, you might be able to catch a last glimpse of them 
before they completely disappear. Gunfire exploded, and bullets tore through the wooden door, splinters bouncing off Guerrero's visor. He pretended to call headquarters as he yelled, Agent down! Agent down! He shot me! Hurry! Footsteps approached. When the door moved backward, Guerrero kicked it hard and rushed inside the room. Spider, who couldn't have been much older than Guerrero, backpedaled, spinning his arms as he tried to regain his balance. Before he had the chance to recover and bring up the submachine gun, Guerrero fired two bullets into his shoulder. The man went down fast, dropping the gun as he crashed into the mountain of bleach bottles, filling half the room. Guerrero kicked the gun out of Spider's reach and told him he was under arrest. And whether or not you were the piece of shit that threw the acid on that young man outside, you're going to pay for it. Spider rolled on the ground, holding his shoulder. You killed my brother! You killed a controller. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.